0: The National Basketball Association has some of the greatest athletes in the world that have played in it. Some of the greatest moments in sports history. And we have an author that's wrote a book called NBA 75, The Definitive History. Dave Zaram is his name. And he joins us in a moment to talk about the greatest 75 players and moments in NBA history. Coming up in just a moment. Hi, my name's Darren Hayes, and I know you've heard me on the Pigskin Dispatch talking about football history for years. Well, now I'm on a new mission, a quest to find sports history in other sports, as well as football, by learning through the jerseys and the apparel and the gear that the players wore and the franchises supplied their teams. It's an educational trip, and I'm taking you with me day by day, player by player, uniform by uniform, the Sports Jersey Dispatch. Hello, my sports history friends. This is Darren He's of the Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to all things great in sports history. And welcome to another episode of our Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. We're going to talk about some great basketball history today, in particular, the NBA history. And a little bit before that, uh, we have an author that's wrote a book recently called NBA 75, The Definitive History. His name is Dave Zaram, and he goes through Firefly Books, uh, the publishing company, and they were nice enough to send. Just a copy of the book we read it really loved it and I'm glad to have dave on today uh dave Zaram, welcome to the pig pen hey great to be here dave uh you know exciting book uh we'll get to it in a little bit uh really excited after reading this you really got me pumped up about the nba season again you know i was already excited watching it and uh re-energize me here a little bit but I guess before we get started you have an interesting background and maybe you could share that you know especially your interest in basketball and your connection to basketball to make you write a book about it.
2: Sure yeah by all means well you know I grew up a, a huge a uh, huge sports fan you know like like a lot of kids and a huge basketball fan um, particularly that at some point you know I was really always drawn to the history of the game you know any documentary that came by any little video I can grab from a bin in, in a, in a video store, those compilation videos, like anything I can get my hands on, about the history of the game, I just always gravitated towards that. And, uh, you know, fortunate enough, I was able to be part of the launch of, of a publication called sports magazine, kind of like a sports illustrated in Canada. Um, this is about, uh, halfway through the two thousands and, um, and, and, and yeah. And from there, I was able to look at the opportunity to cover the game up close. So I covered, uh, the Toronto Raptors, uh, mostly for, for years. And, uh, and the NBA as a whole for for sports now, which is kind of like a like almost like a like an ESPN kind of a national sports uh broadcaster up here in Canada. Um here in Toronto, Canada. So yeah, so just covering the Raptors, I was able to kind of uh, uh as much as I was covering the day to day, I was still always drawn to the history of the game. Anytime I had a chance to speak to a coach or a former player, you know, I wasn't really asking about like the game that night. I was always asking about stories from back in the day, because that's all I really was uh was interested in. So when the opportunity came, came uh came by to to write this book, NBA 75, you know, it was uh, I jumped at it, to say the least. Uh, Firefly, who you mentioned earlier, they had put out a similar book uh, about the NHL called NHL 100, marking the 100th anniversary. And we're going to do a similar project for, for to mark the NBA's 75th anniversary a couple years back. Uh, and, and this was the result of that. You know, It's 75 stories across 75 years of NBA history. Um, and what's cool about it, too, is we were able to update it. Uh, there's, a, there's a new version of it, so we were able to, to put stuff like the bubble you know as as the history of the game keeps evolving uh, we were able to to include some of that in the book like the bubble um able to go and add uh chapters about giannis and, and the, the global superstars that took over the game so it's almost like this kind of evolving uh project just just like the league itself
0: i, I really enjoyed the way you started off with uh, you know especially talking about jerry west you know the the guy that's on the <laughs> that's the right, emblem yeah. of the nba uh, the just, logo uh, yeah the logo and you had a sort of a, a little bit of a personal connection it sounded like with him what you wrote in a book you got to got to talk to him well yeah it was
2: really cool like so like i mentioned like a, a great part of uh covering the game was being able to uh speak to these legends and be up close and personal with a lot of the these kind of icons of the game um and and and, and you know jerry west i mean he's right at the top of, amongst them uh for for countless reasons like you mentioned he's a logo uh he's a former mvp he's just a, just a, an absolute titan uh when it comes to the history of the game uh, and I was really um, fascinated by Jerry West long before I ever had the, the chance to speak to him. Uh, his story itself is just is is really powerful. Um, essentially, he was he was one, we remember as one of these great play- these iconic players, one of the greatest of all time. But to him, you know, he lived a tormented life in basketball. Uh, he made it to to uh, countless finals and lost every single one of them. Uh, he, he captured it eventually uh, in '71 with the Lakers but it took years and years and years and years and years of losing uh, that they really played a, played a toll on him. Uh, So I always found his relationship to the game uh, really fascinating. Uh, Anyways, fast forward to, to somewhere around, I don't know, 2012. Uh, I I was assigned something for, for uh, the publication I was working for uh, some sort of story that, that required, uh, you know, reach out to Jerry West if you can get an interview. Uh, So I did, he was with the golden state warriors at the time uh, as an advisor, you know, he played a, Huge front office role uh, for a lot of teams in the NBA since he retired, like with the Lakers. You know Jerry West is the guy who who is considered the architect of, of the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. You know he played a, a, a huge role in putting those Steph Curry Warrior teams together. So this guy who he, long after retired was still uh, making his mark on on winning basketball. Uh, anyways, put in a request to talk to him. You know, you know how these things go. It's really hit or miss uh, when when you're going through like official team channels and and whatnot. And uh, and I kind of nothing came of it. I sort of forgot about it. Uh, a couple months later, I'm just about to leave uh, my office. It's the it's a Friday, um, Friday afternoon. Phone rings. It's like 4:30 p.m. on a Friday. I'm kind of just like itching to get out of there. Uh, phone rings and it's, hi Dave. This is Jerry West. I just <laughs> sort of I like, had to do a, a double take. Uh, I was like, oh pick, hey, I'm drop
0: off the floor a little bit. Yeah,
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's always like, is this a prank call? Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't remember for the life of me what I was like, what the initial interview was supposed to be about. Like my initial, like seeking uh, to speak to 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 West, I forgot what the assignment was all about. And I ended up just asking him things I was curious about over his, over the course of his career. I wanted to know about his relationship with Elgin Baylor. I wanted to know about playing with Wilt, what Will was, Wilt Chamberlain was like in person. Uh, I wanted to know about kind of the, the dynamic between his Lakers teams and and the Bill Russell Celtics teams. I wanted to know about like his upbringing and how he became so kind of, like, uh, maniacally, almost, like, to the point where, where it was sad, obsessed with the game of basketball. Um, uh, and, and, like, to my delight, I mean, the guy was, he was a complete open book. And it was, like, an hour later, he's just sharing all these stories, going really, really in-depth on, on, on everything. Um, and it's sort of, all, all it did was reinforce to me, like, how, how, A, how, like, important it is to preserve these stories and to make sure, uh, you know, they're documented somewhere where people can find them. And also just like I also remember thinking, you know, I'm speaking of one guy uh, and there's there's dozens, hundreds of characters, people just like him across the history of the league. And they all have their own stories and how, and how rich this kind of pool of history was for the NBA. So that was a real, it was a real pivotal moment, certainly when it comes to something like this book.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I sort of when I first got the book, I'm, I'm looking at the title NBA 75. I'm like, okay, you know, talk about you know the, the 75 best players in the NBA, or maybe you know 75 years of high events of it. You know, I wasn't sure where you're going to go looking at the mm-hmm. book. But you know, I was pleasantly surprised. You sort of went both ways, and I mean, starting—I mean, I, I enjoyed. A, I think it was right there in the beginning, too. Maybe in the Jerry West piece, or maybe before that, uh, talking about the years before the merger and wh- how the league was developed and the grassroots of it. And I found that extremely interesting, too. I, I was glad glad you put that in there.
2: Yeah, it was really cool to like to trace the the roots of the game back all the way to the beginning, um, and and to see how the league evolved. Uh, that was one thing I was definitely really conscious of, you know, we're, we're in, in essence, like the exercise is telling like 75 individual stories. Uh, but it was really important to me that there was some sort of through line uh, between them all. And I think uh, that through line is just the way that, uh, the way that not only the game evolved, but like the characters and the people who shaped the league, how, how their role in society evolved, you know, the NBA in its early days went from very like utilitarian blue collar. Uh, these guys worked summer jobs and, and whatnot and we're and. They didn't have uh, like basic workers' rights, uh, um, uh, you know, like blatant racism and prejudice uh, well-documented uh, across, well, really across the, the history of the NBA, um, which is another through line I wanted to make sure was clear, was that um, this is a league that that has really um, been at the face of kind of uh, social justice and, and the human rights conversation since the beginning. Uh, but as well, the, the evolution of it and the way these guys went from nothing to something, you know, these billion dollar enterprises essentially and how that played out over the course of the last uh, 75 years
0: yeah it really was it was really a, a snapshot in uh you know north american history too like you, you said you went through you know civil rights and everything uh especially you know the mm-hmm. the, the bob Coozie story and you brought him into the bill russell story and sort of uh how, right. how that was navigated through you know koozie i think you had the one spot where uh Russell wasn't allowed to eat dinner with the team in a particular city and coozy ended up taking a meal back to his room and eating it with, with them. It's just a, some great little pieces. So many stories
2: like that. Yeah. So many yeah. stories like that
0: extremely interesting i really found that uh great and i i didn't get a chance to watch bill russell play much i was a little young when he played but uh really enjoyed the story of it you know and especially you know i knew him as a broadcaster never knew <laughs> a little bit of legacy but i i thank you for that too and you know i was most interested because i saw you know the cover you have five players on there uh you have kobe a bird you have mj lebron and, and magic and three of those are from what i i think is just like the most magical time in nba history i think those mid the late 80s teams and you talk quite a bit about that and i was really excited about that uh you know especially you know the dream team and the celtics lakers matchups right. so those eras and uh you know so maybe- well
2: i mean like i mean that's that's the that's that's when the game became the game and in, in a lot of ways uh as far as it's as far as we know it today you know uh, uh, the league going from uh you know basketball being somewhat niche definitely not a, a predominant sport uh, you know as great as uh, uh people like bill russell were will chamberlain jerry west elgin baylor like these oscar robertson these, these incredible incredible figures um like the nba basketball was never a, a massive industry so to speak um you know while they were playing and it's really magic and bird that's when that's when you saw that that change really happen you know magic johnson arrives in, in the nba uh, 1980, like right after the infamous uh, uh, Seattle Supersonics, Washington Bullets finals that were shown on tape delay. Like that's how little uh, the kind of greater American public cared about NBA basketball. And then, and then magic and, and Larry come along, uh, this rivalry that had existed uh, you know, in college for a little bit uh, transfers over into the NBA. They start, you know, facing each other in the finals year after year. Uh, and it's, and it's, it was just something for the public to, to kind of glove onto and the NBA to their credit uh, especially under uh, David Stern, did a great job of marketing that and and taking advantage of that. You know, I always love the analogy that uh, Stern apparently uh, used to like to use in, in terms of uh, the way he marketed the league, is that uh, it was kind of like a Walt Disney operation. You know, Michael Jordan was was Mickey Mouse, and and Magic was Goofy, and and so on and so and so forth. Um, but I also really hope that it came across in in the book that. Uh, that as much as Magic and Larry really helped change the tide of of, of uh, NBA basketball and and grow the game in in, in huge ways, uh, when when Michael Jordan came along and uh, when he was entering his prime, when he started doing his thing, I mean, it just took the whole operation to complete uh, another stratosphere. So so I mean they're they're in the same era and they're peers and and they're always like grouped together uh, for good reason, but I, but I always hope to make a distinction that that even among that class, Michael was was kind of a leaps and bounds above
0: yeah you know you uh you sort of saddened my heart and i had a what if moment you know i'm living in pennsylvania so the only team in pennsylvania is 76ers so i've been a 76ers fan all my life and i'm sitting here reading that part you know dr j who i i loved watching as a player oh my
2: god Uh, dr j coolest guy on the face of the earth still to this day i'll tell you my uh, meeting dr j story after sorry
0: Okay. okay. It, yeah. He, but you had that with the MJ getting drafted and you, I think you put a little mm-hmm. blurb in there, which I didn't know that the, the 76ers offered to trade uh, Dr. J for the, the third pick to, to try to get uh, at Michael Jordan. I'm sitting there thinking, God, the mm-hmm. what if could have happened there. As sad as I would have been seeing Dr. J leave, but, you know, knowing what I know now about Michael Jordan. Oh my God. You know, <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, yeah. Bitter pill, but Berkeley, you know, <laughs> yeah.
2: Sometimes medicine doesn't taste good. Yeah. That, that would have been something.
0: So, okay. Yeah. Please tell us about Dr. J. I love if you Dr. J. Oh, start. right.
2: Right. Okay. So Philly guys, sorry to have to do this to you, but I was at a, uh, uh, a Joe Carter charity event. Um, you know, Joe Carter up here in Toronto hero mm-hmm. for, for what happened in 93. Um, again, like I said, I hate to have to bring it up, but I feel obliged to. Um, <laughs> so, so Joe Carter, Toronto sports hero, he holds this, holds this annual charity event. Uh, up at the former Sky Dome here. And I used to cover it every now and then. And I was there one year and uh, there's huge, huge stars there. It's uh, like, a, like Bo Jackson's there, uh, like Kenny Lofton, maybe Barry Sanders. I remember Jonathan Ogden um, uh, specifically. Mm-hmm. And it was just to like get a, a bunch of big names in sports. And then Dr. J walks through the door like by himself because like I got a little backpack on. And I swear the entire room just froze every head turned towards him everybody even in this room full of stars like dr j walked in the door and all these he saw all these like uh, all these sports legends they'd all just turn into kids again uh and, and it was so cool to see i remember everyone was frozen and i just i saw everyone like kind of stuck and i just like went up to him and i was like hey and we ended up having a huge chat we talked about the aba for for about like 15 minutes uh, at this random joe carter event uh and then i was there again the next year same thing he returned and we just kind of picked up the conversation and uh uh yeah, my impression was just was just like this guy is the epitome of cool still to this day. He must have been sixty five or something like that. It was, it was uh, I'll never forget it.
0: Hmm. Yeah, there's a interesting story about him here. You know I live in Erie, Pennsylvania, and we have a couple uh, Division two colleges here in the area, and one of them is Gannon University. And uh, you know they've had some good teams over the years, and they had they played the, the University of Massachusetts. I guess they university of massachusetts came to play a christmas tournament or something mm-hmm. here and dr dr j was on the team and you know back in those days you know the warm-ups people just did layups right, well, yeah. dr j would come out and you know leap from the the foul line i guess, and <laughs> the whole routine yeah. that was his that was his layup <laughs> everybody was in awe like oh my god who is this guy you know the the big fro and everything he had back in the day before the aba but a uh, very interesting guy fundamental
2: to- So cool yeah yeah exactly and and I'm sure that everyone who saw that though they won't forget that and so it's and he had that impact you can imagine every game he played every warm-up line he was ever in people would go home and they tell their kids about it
0: yeah it's just uh fascinating but you you talk about more uh of those guys before besides MJ uh you talk about really going to some great detail on almost the whole dream team of that mm-hmm. uh, thing you know the the piece you had on Elijah one uh, I mean, it was probably one of the longer pieces you had in the book, but it was so fascinating. I was captivated by it. Cause you know, like I said, I I'm a 76ers fan, but by that time, you know, when, when Houston was on the rise at that time, and I, I loved watching, you know, five slamma jamma and uh, mm-hmm, March madness. Mm-hmm. And you know, that, mm-hmm. I thought that was great. I was especially the against, uh, they played uh, NC Wolfpack, I think and lost last that, that year on that right, last second right. shot, but, uh, you know, Drexler and all of them, it was fun to watch, but, you know, Robert Horry and Elijah one, and, you know, and you just wanted to see him being a seven or sixers fan. I didn't want the Lakers or the Celtics to, to be, <laughs> so it was fun to see somebody else rise up <laughs> right, and, right. and uh, you know, then the bulls were settled down a little bit when MJ was out, but uh, just, uh, you know, your piece on Elijah one, I'd never realized that Moses Malone had uh, had been such an influential uh, person in his life of basketball.
2: Yeah, really, kind of took him under his wing in, in a in a very like in a legitimate way and and kind of molded him into the player he became in, in, in a lot of in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, the, I think the Hakeem chapter might have been the longest one. Yeah, that's a good eye. But I think uh, uh, what I really wanted to get across there was just how good he was. I mean, I'm a I was born in the '80s. I'm a uh, sort of I guess child of the '90s. So when he was uh, in his prime with those Rockets teams, you know that that was you know I was a kid kind of fascinated by it all. And he was definitely one of the giants of the game at the time. Uh, and yeah, he just has a really interesting history, you know, being, uh, and it was, you know, now that I think about it, you know, his story is kind of what we see being replicated. We see it. It's a lot more common today. You know, you think of someone like Joel Embiid or even like Jokic, a lot of these European players, um, the players coming from Africa, Pascal Siakam, uh, mm-hmm. where basketball is not their first sport, where they're pretty late to the game in a lot of cases, but have all these like transferable skills from other sports on top of obviously like crazy, uh, uh, Athletic ability and and, and uh, you know work ethic and all the things that it takes to make it, uh, but but he was he was sort of the he was the mold for for a lot of uh, the stars we're saying today, Giannis and Uh Really, you can trace it a, a lot of it right back to the Dream.
0: Yeah, I, I never realized. You know, I, I maybe I just forgot or wasn't paying attention back when he was coming up. I mean, they they told his story. You know, coming from the you know the African country, he came from picking up a basketball for a first time at like fifteen or sixteen, whatever mm-hmm. it was, and becoming such a you know a stud, uh, and growing into a body late too. I think he, he had a right. late maturity growth but I never realized until reading what you had in there the work that the man put in uh, you know with both with Malone and practicing his footwork even when he was an NBA veteran just constantly honing his craft and really made him uh, the great player that he was
2: yeah he was one of those obsessive guys you know about, about his craft and being the best of what he what he did and I remember you know well after retirement those videos would come out where in the summers players would go and train with him and they'd go to kind of Hakeem Camp, and he'd go do one-on-one training with uh, uh, LeBron or Kobe, Dwight Howard uh, in, in his prime. Uh, so it's always cool to see. Um, yes, it's cool to see these legends kind of continue to impact the game even after they were after their uh, their playing days are over.
0: Yeah, I think you even referenced it. You know what Malone did for him when he was a youngster. He he was sort of paying it forward by doing right, these exactly. guys. And and then when you drop the names, you know LeBron and Dwight Howard and Kobe, I'm like, oh my God, you you know these are the the superstars of you know the next generation from doing that. So that, that was a uh, that was great stuff too. I, I really liked that. You know, I, I also really loved uh reliving the those Lakers Celtics uh, things. You know, like I said, I had I had no no dog in a fight. Listen, watching those and actually just you know, yeah. like both of those franchises, <laughs> but just, they were just so great and they didn't like each other and they had such superstars on it. They were fun to watch. And you have, I believe uh, three different uh, series, all, all three NBA finals in the eighties that you cover pretty extensively on there. You're, yeah.
2: What's, what's interesting is there's um, what's interesting is that there's uh, you know, Lakers versus Celtics, this, this rivalry, it appears uh, all throughout the book you know the book runs chronologically and so there's all these different iterations of Lakers, celtics and somehow these two teams kept playing kept meeting each other in the finals and kept kind of running into each other with, with the with history on the line uh you know it begins with the those kind of jerry west elgin baylor teams against the, the russells his celtics dynasty where boston won every time virtually uh and then and then from there i mean yeah uh, we were talking about magic and larry and the fact that those two players not only were they great, but they met in the finals. I think that's really significant. Um, yeah. hold on one second. Can you still hear me? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Some like, some weird pop sound just happened here. Okay. I'm gonna continue from where I was. Where I was just talking. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and and when you have Magic and Larry meeting in the finals, uh, it it really brought the game to to a whole another level. Like like uh, like we were talking about earlier. Uh, and when you keep facing a team year after year after year, I mean that's how you build a rivalry. And what's neat was they were able to. Even though the Celtics dominated at first, uh, the Lakers eventually were able to get their revenge and, and and that rivalry was balanced out a little bit more. And then when you fast forward, I mean, with the Kevin Garnett Celtics and Kobe's Lakers, I mean, that rivalry was renewed and they faced each other uh, a couple more times. And it's uh, it's just always, it's always um, wild for me to see the same teams keep reappearing generations later. And, and just to think of the number of, you know, you mentioned what ifs, like the number of things that have to fall into place in order for history to keep repeating itself in that way. Uh, yeah, I I don't think we're gonna see it this year. Needless to say, or maybe anytime soon. Uh, uh, but who knows what the future has in store?
0: Yeah, th- definitely. Now, you you just made me remember back. Uh, I think it was the rookie year for both Bird and, and Magic. And you're talking about you know how Stern and Company were building up the promotional thing. And I can remember the advertisements uh, before the game, you know, because it's NFL season, we're watching NFL games. And I think their first meeting and they were promoing a game that was happening like Saturday night or something. And they, I can remember the announcer saying we can magic pull a bird out of his hat or, you know, something corny (laughs) like that, you know, to do it. And it just, it just resonates. (laughs) I mean, I can still, still hear that uh, promo, but uh, it got me to watch a game. I probably wouldn't have watched it otherwise.
2: Exactly. And that's really, honestly, like um, on the court, they were incredible. You know, Magic, a 6'9 point guard who was doing these crazy flashy passes, running the fast break on the Showtime Lakers, you know, in uh, moving at this kind of break net speed that the league hadn't seen in a little while. Um, uh, and, and then and Larry Bird, this kind of like killer. Uh, this guy can hit shots from anywhere, talk trash with the best of them um kind of could do anything and back it up it's just really like kind of unique one-of-a-kind character uh they were they were just amazing to watch but but as incredible as they were to watch uh their significance was even greater off the court you know like like you're saying like they drew you into watch games and, and 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 i'm sure you're not alone you know it's 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 uh can't be overstated how how different things were after those two came along
0: yeah that definitely for sure uh you know just uh um you know, going back into some of the, the dream team uh, players, uh, you know, mm-hmm. talked about Elijah one a little bit, uh, you know, talked about Jordan, uh, Barkley, uh, you know, you had uh, you know, Clyde Drexler in that era, um, drawing a blank here now, but you, we had yeah, we like had,
2: Stockton and Malone were on those teams, right?
0: Stockton and Malone,
2: yeah, Stockton yeah. and Malone were, were on that team. I mean, it was just absolutely stacked, uh, and 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 that was the point, you know, uh, in '88, in USA lost or they they won bronze the Olympics, but it was a huge disappointment. And that was when uh, there were still amateurs playing the Olympics. So, so the U S was sending college players and, and, and really didn't want to get embarrassed again. So also introducing the dream team and, and this unstoppable kind of basketball force. Uh, yeah. But just, that was absolutely star studded. Uh, you know, the, we talk about Michael Jordan and his kind of uh, ascension throughout the book. And when I think of the dream team, I still think it's another example of kind of Jordan's dominance um, the dynamics within the team itself entering the ninety two the entering the summer of ninety two it was Magic Johnson's league. Magic was still the the kind of uh, the king uh, and Larry was right there along with him. Although Larry had started to really have uh, back issues, so Bird was, was starting to be he was a lot less effective on the court, uh, but but still obviously um, a, a huge figure in the league. Uh, and then internally, over the course of that Olympic tournament, it actually probably happened earlier. It probably happened in, in training camp. Or pretty quickly, you know, in the first few practices on that team, it uh, became really clear that that you know Jordan was the man. Now, like uh, this, the Magic and Larry days were amazing for the for the game, but they're over, and there's a new king in town, and, and his name is Michael Jordan. And that that and in that summer, that team, and that tournament is, is when that transfer happened. So uh, yeah, there's just so much. Uh, there's just so much going on when it comes to the dream team. Uh, when you when you look at it from a historical perspective, that yeah, that chapter was was it was so much fun to write.
0: Yeah, yeah. One one thing that was really interesting. The another thing that I learned is I didn't realize. I I think the the uh, dream team or the the college stars that were going to be playing in the bath the Olympics that year, Jordan being one of them, uh, ended up playing some exhibition games against NBA start all star all-star teams. And you have a segment where you know Jordan's playing uh, against I think Bird and a couple other people that we just talked about and they really didn't like him because they thought he was showing off and you know the the college stars end up beating the the, the nba stars
2: exactly yeah i think i think within the within as you know their egos egos exist <laughs> and mm-hmm. so maybe it was hard for uh, someone like magic johnson or even larry bird to, to admit it but i think the signs were there really early on when it came to michael that you know this was a different dude
0: yeah, I, I just I never remember having a, a hatred of uh, Michael Jordan by anybody. You know, everybody loved him because he was, you know, even even in college, even at North Carolina, and everybody just loved him. And even he, he was just a a piece of the puzzle there. He wasn't, you know, in Dean Smith's you know offense like you uh, describe. He was just right. a, a, one of the team players. It was all team, and he never really got to have his star shine like a probably could have as a collegian uh, and uh, but I, I never realized that the the NBA players sort of had an animosity and a little jealousy rivalry with him right out of the gate uh, before he even played a game in the NBA. I yeah, he
2: was... definitely, he definitely arrived with a, with a ton of uh, confidence in himself and you know how that is. I can rub people the wrong way.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And I think uh, later on you allude to uh, when he's playing in the NBA season, I think one of his first playoff runs with the Bulls, uh you know he ends up taking you know somebody gives him a shot I think uh you had bird pushing him or something like that and he gets you know p.o'd a little bit and just goes off on him for like 60 some points and it
2: didn't take much like the thing with Michael Jordan famously is is uh is that you know he actively sought motivation and 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 reasons to kind of like take his game to another level and and these and, and you know sometimes he got incredibly petty um uh and and that was what drove his greatness you know and and it makes him like really in in all honesty like uh in in a in a lot of ways uh, an unlikable character you know um you know he's uh almost like a degenerate winner (laughs)
1: like
2: Mm -hmm. you just like by any by any means necessary um uh yeah uh, trying to find find rivalries where they maybe didn't exist and just doing whatever it took to kind of drive himself to push himself um and win at all costs you know he was not regarded as like a great teammate uh, in terms of like the way he treated uh those around him and, and, and whatnot uh but you have to respect what he did on the court you have to respect how uh how successful he was and how how he went about the game and just how awe-inspiring his his game was i mean um you know there's so many great players in the league but i still don't think we've really seen anyone like him since
0: no Maybe i cool. i I I agree. You know, we've come close, you know, with the Kobe's and LeBron's, but uh, there's just something special about Michael. He just, uh, he could turn it on and off whenever he he wanted to and mostly on. But uh,
2: yeah, I never really, I never really fully understood like uh, the, you know, I was really covering the NBA a lot when there's a uh, day to day, when there's a ton of LeBron versus MJ, who's the greatest debates. And this is not a detraction on LeBron James whatsoever, but I never understood what the debate was. I never understood why, you know, how that conversation was, besides statistics. Like, uh, I didn't understand where the where the debate was there.
0: Yeah. You know, I almost think, you know, I'm, I'm not too far away from Cleveland. And, uh, you know, of course, when LeBron first came out and was with the Cavaliers, it was, you know, in our local here, 100 miles away, it was LeBron watched. They had a segment in a newspaper, in our paper, 100 miles away. And, I think that sort of that whole thing with him leaving Cleveland the first time sort of tainted his his legacy a bit. you know, you it know didn't help. player <laughs> it just didn't he didn't have the same magic that uh, you know a guy like magic or yeah. or, or Michael Jordan had. and uh, I think I took some luster off the diamond a little bit.
2: that is interesting. And you know you wonder how um not to go off the chest, but you wonder how much you know today's uh, the player empowerment era. As, as we call it, you know, what kind of effect that will have on the way these guys are remembered historically, because um, it is somewhat, uh, you know, it's understandable, but it's like not quite as endearing when when Kevin Durant goes from team to team to team in search of a title. I mean, obviously, there's nothing wrong with that, but there is something uh, more uh, rewarding in a sense when you when you have these old these older players who just were on one team uh, for the most part in their careers which right, we might yeah. not see that for a long time. I don't know.
0: It might, might not. You know, I, I don't remember Michael Jordan wearing the Washington uniforms. I, you know, I, I, I picture the bulls across his chest, you know, that's, that's a, right. 23, exactly. So that d- definitely iconic. Now, you know, one thing I thought found great is your honesty in the book where, okay, we've talked about all these high points and these great legends and they're, they're, You know, championships and great uh, accolades, but you also talk about some of the the low points in NBA history, Uh, you know, the Len Bias story, you know, what a, a sad and tragic story that was. Uh, you know, you talk about people like the career of Sam Bowie and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sort of his trajectory, how his career got off to a, a bad start. And, uh, you know, I, I, appreciate the honesty and, you know, the candidness of, cause that's part of the history of the game and it, it really flowed well with your whole story.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not, ai don't work PR for the, for the league and, and the goal of this book isn't, isn't to, uh, you know, uh, show, you know, how, how amazing the NBA is. I, you know, I, I. I love the sport and I think the, the game is incredible and the league is, has done some amazing things, but there have been lows. And, and we're talking about uh, documenting the history of, of this league and what it's meant to, uh, to sports and to kind of culture uh, on a whole. And so, you know, it would be uh, almost like, irresponsible to ignore those things. Plus, we're, plus, like my main focus is just uh, interesting stories and compelling storytelling. And uh, in, in, in a lot of cases, like the more interesting stories are the ones that are, are don't have a happy ending. Uh, and there's, and yeah, you know, you mentioned uh, a handful of them in the book, and I think it's important to share those.
0: Yeah, de- definitely. And I'm, I'm glad you did, because uh, they are definitely part of that story. Now, Dave, uh, why don't we uh, take this time, let's uh, give the title of your book and where folks can find it to to buy a copy of it.
2: Sure. Yeah, it's called NBA 75 the definitive history uh if you search nba 75 a bunch of stuff will come up because that was the name of the NBA's campaign but uh one of them will be this book so you just search it out you can find it on amazon uh that's probably the best best uh route to go although it's in a ton of brick and mortar uh bookstores around uh around the country as well if you still go to
0: those yeah, definitely. And, and folks, if you're driving or at the gym and don't have a pen and paper, we will have a link to, to Dave Zarum's book uh, NBA 75 in the show notes of this podcast and on JerseyDispatch.com for the accompanying uh, blog post that we'll put on that as well. So, Dave, uh, do you, would you have any social media or anything you'd like to, to share with us? Well,
2: I'm not a huge social media guy. If you follow me, okay. I'm on. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Dave Zaram Z A R U uh, M. Uh, You'll mostly just see me uh, promoting the book and sharing uh, pictures of people uh, who are promoting the book and whatnot. So not the most compelling (laughs) follow, but uh, the best thing you can do is check out the book itself. Uh, I'm really proud of how how it turned out. And and I really appreciate you having me on. This has been great. Always happy to chat uh, Hoops history
0: yeah i'm I'm very thankful you were able to come on and i thank you for for sharing this book with us and uh you know sharing your stories that you have in it and spending the time today to talk about it so dave Zerum, uh, nba 75 you know copy of this book we'll have the links on there uh thank you for sharing with us today and coming on the podcast anytime we're dribbling around and see the shot clock's almost out so we got to put up our shot and come back tomorrow for some more great sports history